Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here's your I host, declare the Marita scripture, Maria. Zechariah 2.5, over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Pastor Pete Cordova from First Assembly of God in Douglas, Arizona. Thank you so much, Pastor Pete, for being on Faith City Outreach today to share some biblical wisdom about living out a real and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much, uh, Marina, for having me on your uh, program. I've been looking forward to this, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to just sharing what what uh, God uh, has taught me through the years as we begin this interview. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning and also um, just um, hearing about what the Lord has taught you through these years. Please share how long you've been pastoring your church, First Assembly of God in Douglas, Arizona, and how the Bible has showed you to live out a real and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been a pastor almost six years at, uh, at this church, Douglas First Assembly uh, of God. I served uh, five years as an assistant pastor uh, and a bivocational pastor. And uh, I've, I've been involved in ministry a lot longer, but mostly in the Christian education field and also in the evangelism and music field as well. So this has been uh, a new uh, field for me, a new area, but it's been exciting. I feel like I've learned a lot uh, when it comes to pastoring. Pastoring is very different from anything else I've done. You work uh, with people. You, uh, you learn a lot about people, but you also learn about, uh, about yourself quite a bit. And that's uh, so it's been a, a learning experience for me as a, uh, as well. Uh, I've been a Christian almost all my life. I was eight years old when I gave my life to Jesus and uh, been walking with the Lord for many, many years, not trying to say that it's always been perfect. Had my ups and downs uh, growing up uh, as well. Uh, but uh, I, am, I am very uh, intrigued and I give a deep thought, this thing about Christian longevity, uh, faithfulness, and a walk with God. It's, uh, I, I like to tell people that, that finishing is more important than starting the race. Uh, that does not mean that starting the race is not important because you can't finish if you don't start. But it does you no good to start if you don't finish. The prize is when you finish when you complete, and the Bible has a lot to say about, about completing things. Uh, uh, it, it talks about blessed is the man that endures until the end. Revelations 2.10 talks about uh, be faithful until the end. The Apostle Paul in his uh, final words to Timothy said, I've uh, fought the good fight. I've uh, kept uh, the faith. I've finished the race. Uh, always about, about completing and, and finishing and uh, I feel that that's so, so, so important in the life of a Christian. And now that I'm pastoring, it's become even more uh, important to me because as a pastor, uh, you, are, you are put in a, in a, in a platform almost, <laughs> in, a, in a pedestal up to a certain point, even though you don't want to, but you're watched very carefully. You do carry more responsibility not only what you teach, but the life that you live, because you actually teach a lot more by your actions than you do by uh, your words. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the things that I've uh, that I've learned all my life, but especially now 
as a pastor is uh, in the area of living out uh, a strong and vibrant relationship with Christ. Uh, if it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit that is given to us when we come to Jesus Christ and we get saved, that's what happens at salvation. We're given the Holy Spirit. He comes to reside in us. He's the one that gives us the power not only to start this walk, but to finish it. And uh, that has been something very, very important to me. Psalm 119.105 comes to memory to me where it says, uh, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the word of God is our life manual. It's where we go to to learn uh, about everything in life. It guides our decisions, our finances. It guides us into the right attitudes. Into uh, It guides us in our relationships with, uh, with people. Uh, it's one of the things that, I, that the scriptures that stick out to me a lot is, uh, uh, is, is the scriptures that encourage us to draw close to God. And one of them is James 4, 8 that I can think of right away that says, draw mm. close to me and I will draw close unto you. That's one specific example that I can give in my life where the word of God keeps me on track. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it brings me, sometimes uh, I feel like Moses when, when he struck the rock the first time, and then God told him to speak to the rock the second time, but he was so mad at the people that he wound up striking it the second time instead of talking to it. And it was because he was angry. He was frustrated, and he didn't listen to God's word. He acted on his frustrations, and as a result, he, he couldn't enter into the promised land. And I thought, how sobering for us as leaders to not only hear the word of God, but live by it. God holds us doubly accountable in uh, that area. And uh, I've, I've been humbled at times by my wife, even by my kids, when uh, they uh, see me at my moments that I'm a little bit with my guard down and I get upset and how I respond. <laughs> <laughs> and then they copy me and I say, hey, don't do that. And then they look at me and, uh, Dad, you did it last time. <laughs> and what a reminder of the importance that that we are examples. We're being watched very closely. So the scripture has been a powerful influence in my life. I love the word of God, but you know, it's not just about reading it and learning it. It's about how it applies in our everyday life where the rubber meets the road. I like to tell people, how do you... Uh, live that out because if you don't it's just theoretical it's you just read it and you you feel good about all you've learned but the important thing is how does that apply to your everyday life your relationship your attitudes your decisions everything you do how does the word of god guide you in those areas Pastor Pete, how do we draw close to God? Give me some examples. I think that one of the most important ways, uh, uh, Marina, is that we have to make this very, very personal. Uh, as pastors, I think that one of the things that is so easy to fall into is the performance track. We easily fall into the comparison trap with other pastors, especially those that are doing much better than us, and we judge ourselves. Uh, but we have to stop, and we have to get very personal with God. And we have to realize, wait a minute, if I believe that God put me here as a pastor, then I have to run to him and ask him how I'm doing. Not other people, not even myself, but ask God. How am I doing? We have to learn to get alone with God and really spend intimate moments with him and really be still like Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know no. that I am. I've heard from another pastor who um, received a statistic. I don't, I don't remember the statistic, but he said that Pastors fail to 
be in prayer or have alone time with the Lord because of their ministry and they're busy with ministry. Do you, do you find that that is true? I like to call it the Martha syndrome uh, where we get so, so carried away with working for God that we forget to stop and spend time with God. Uh, we get more concerned about how much we're accomplishing for God instead of what God is accomplishing or trying to accomplish in us. And we need to do like Mary, slow down, sit at his feet, and just soak in what he wants to do in our life. Uh, Marina, only change people can change the world. What, who we are is more important than what we do. And we need to never, ever forget that. Never forget that. That's, that's the most important thing we can remember as pastors, who we are at the core of our being. And who we serve, right? Amen. Amen. First, who we serve first is God, not man. We're his servants. Mm-hmm. We're, we're saved. We're part of his family. But when he calls us into ministry, we're servants of God. And uh, yes, we're servants of the people as well. But we're first and foremost servants of God. And if we remember that, we won't be as concerned about what people think about us. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about what people think about us because we're setting an example and, and our testimony is very important. I understand that. But if we don't have a right balance, we become people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And we start compromising and then we start getting into problems with God because when God wants us to do something or say something, uh, fear kicks in and we will not say or do what God wants us to do for fear of offending somebody. And uh, we have to be cognizant. We are servants of God first. He put us into the ministry. And the moment that he says, I'm done with you here, uh, he's done with us there. (laughs) Yes, that's true. So the alignment is he is first. Absolutely. Uh, And second? uh, Second comes others. And I think as pastors, it's our families and then uh, it's our people at our church, and we uh, we need to keep that proper balance. Uh, every once in a while, I've caught myself uh, getting out of whack in that balance as far as, uh, as my family is concerned, and uh, I, I've had to go back to and repent and ask God to help me to balance it out right because uh, uh, my wife is, uh, is my responsibility. And I have to develop that relationship with her. And my wife is my strongest support in my ministry. She puts in about as many hours as I do at the church, if not more. Uh, she's very wise in giving me uh, uh, feedback uh, and, uh, and just just uh, a little bit of, of uh, helps me in those areas that I may not, those blind sides of my area. So she's, she's a blessing. And every once in a while, I have to tell her, sweetheart, we, you know, I haven't been giving you the attention I need. We need to get away for a while. And uh, the church has been very good at telling me, Pastor, you need to get away. Get away. Get away. <laughs> you know, that's, that's very, very important because, uh, yeah, we, we do tend to work ourselves to the ground and forget our priorities. And again, who we are is more important than what we do. Only changed people can change the world. And if we come all exhausted and all dry, and what are we going to do? We're going to just rely on our knowledge and our experience. That will only carry us so far. That's true. And it's wonderful to hear that your that your church family loves you so much that they say, you know, you need to, to go. Yes. They're, they're very honest, but yet they want the best for you too. And that really um, shows me that you have established a really good relationship with them too. <laughs> Pastor Pete, what are some challenges pastors face as they shepherd their people? 
I think the culture that we're living in, Marina, uh, has a big impact. I remember growing up, I've been in the church all my life, and uh, I, I culture, uh, I grew up in a Spanish church, and, and the respect was uh, the way people were, the respect for God, for church, for men of God, was very different back then than what it is now. And uh, I know we've had failures. We've had televangelists that have failed. We've had uh, the media quick to report any minister that falls and anything that goes astray. Uh, and they just put it all over the news. And people have become a little more skeptical. And uh, there, there just isn't that same uh, authority and uh, uh, reverence and respect that I had when I was young uh, for for the, the man of God, not even for the church. I remember a time when uh, uh, even burglars, they they robbed from houses, they get to the church and they would not dare get close to the church to, to rob anything uh, because of the fear of God uh, mm-hmm. that they seem to have. Now anything goes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, people Men of God get mocked and laughed at and criticized in the media and by people, uh, and, and uh, it's it's a whole different culture that we pastors pastor in. So it seems like we have to work a little harder to earn the respect of the people, and uh, so that's that's a challenge. What we say, what we teach, is challenged a little bit more by people. Uh, some of the stuff that we teach nowadays sounds so old-fashioned. Uh, let me just give you a, a, a short example. Uh, there are more cohabiting couples now in America than there are married people. And, uh, and, 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 and here we're teaching about uh, sexual purity in a culture that looks at us like, Pastor, everybody's doing it. What's the big deal? They're sitting right there in the church. Some of them even come to the altar, give their life to the Lord. But it takes them a little while to to uh, fix that relationship, and and the reason is the culture that we live in. This is so accepted uh, that there's there's even churches where they don't even mention it. It's not it's not a big issue, you know. And uh, this is the challenges that we face as pastors. I sometimes tell my wife I feel like a prehistoric dinosaur uh, preaching certain parts of the Bible because of the fact that. Uh, things have changed so much in the culture that we live in. So it's important for pastors to keep up with the ever-changing culture because it's such a new culture now, as you mentioned. Yeah. So how do pastors, what what do they do to keep up with the new culture? I think that there are areas that that as pastors we need to change with the times, but I think that that's more the methods, the delivery of the gospel, that the message of the gospel never changes. It's the same. Mm-hmm. But the delivery is, is different. I mean, obviously, when I was small, we had the flannel graphs that us little kids would sit in front. Here's Jesus, and here's a sheep, and we'd move the flannel graph. Try to do that <laughs> nowadays. You know, kids are more computer literate than we are. <laughs> they are. So many, so many things have changed. I even look at the pastor the way... Uh, the dress in church, I see the pastor so dressed down I, that, that I, I never, it, it's a little hard for me, but yet I've, I'm adapting because uh, nowadays where the way you dress back then, people looked at you with respect. Now they almost look at you with suspicion if you wear a tie. Are you a politician? Are you a used car salesman? Are you trying to get something from me? Why? And they don't trust you. You, it's a whole culture has changed. So we do need to change. We do need to adapt in our methods and our delivery. But uh, the message stays the same. Just the delivery and the methods we have to change. And we have to be, we have to be compassionate. That's that's a given. Boy, back then when I was growing up, it, pastors pulled out the whip and. God help you when they preached. It was like you came home crying from a good foot. You did that today, you'd empty the whole church out in your first <laughs> So, yeah, there's different techniques, different ways of doing things nowadays. So you mentioned that you have to keep up with the uh, new culture, and that means changing the delivery. Does that also mean changing the worship music? Uh, in some cases, a lot depends 
who your target audience is, the area that you're ministering. I think that uh, the, the greatest mistake that pastors can make, I'm not trying to judge anybody, this is just my own humble opinion, is that when we get set in a certain way of doing things and we don't even stop to think, who am I ministering to? What is the community that I'm in? That we don't survey, we don't ask questions, we don't observe. And uh, we just say, this is the way it's always been done. This is the way I grew up. And this is the way it's done. And, and I don't care if no one agrees or if I'm the only one left in this church, by golly, I'm going to keep uh, I'm going to keep doing things the way I was taught because this is the way we always do them. Mm-hmm. And that almost guarantees that you're, you're not going to be very effective in ministry if you do not look around you and see, who am I ministering? What are their needs? Uh, how can I reach them? What is the language and the methods I can use that they that are relevant with them, that they connect with and they identify with. Uh, I think that that's very important. And then another thing, Marina, that I believe is very important, and I kind of feel I have a strength here, is that people are hurting for a connection, for relationships. Uh, and this is one of the difficulties for mega churches. I believe, a challenge for them that we smaller churches have an advantage is relationships, that that pastors know their flock and they can mm-hmm. uh, they can interrelate and connect with them and and show interest in the people and compassion, hear them out and uh, and 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 just just develop those relationships. Show them that you really care about them and love them and you're interested in them. Uh, you're not just interested in in the church that you're in and all the rules being followed, but that you care about them where they're at, where they're hurting. That's very important. So what does that mean? For example, are you saying like, um, I know some pastors will, after the service, they'll go to the door and make sure they shake everybody's hand. What's another, what's another way that you can create that relationship? Well, again, I'm uh, I'm using my church because we're a small church. We're not very large, but uh, I what we fellowship afterwards. Those that want to stay can hang around the fellowship, and uh, we'll have coffee, and we mm-hmm. fellowship there as well. Uh, I'm able to call uh, people in our church more because we're a smaller church, and mm-hmm. uh, I I do my best to uh, ask people questions how they're doing. Ask them a little bit about themselves. I've taken trips. I've done things with different members of the church. And I've asked them, how did you come to the Lord? And, and we've gotten to know each other pretty good. Uh, and, and I think when you take an interest in people, that they show that you, that they, that they see that you really care about them individually. Uh, there's a connection there that people start to develop with you. When you do have to correct, when you do have to say something, they're more open to receive it, to teach them, because they feel that you really do care about them. I I had a a man tell me once when I was in higher education something that stuck with me. He said, people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Hmm. And that stuck with me because you can blow them away with your knowledge, but they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. That's true. And how you made them feel when they talk to you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, And that's, that's very important in this world that we live in. Pastor P, what are some effective ways pastors can keep their church growing spiritually? We know this is very important. I, I agree with you, Marina. It, it is very important. I think that one of the, the first things that comes into my mind is, is uh, involvement and connecting them uh, to the church, uh, trying to find an area where they can feel like part of the church and give them an opportunity to grow through service. Teaching is very important. I am big on teaching. I have a new converts class that I try to get new converts plugged into uh, that. I sometimes give them books. But it, all this to me is all ra- connected through personal relationship with the people. If you 
if I, as a pastor, don't stay connected with them, I, I lose some ground right there. I must stay connected, letting them know that I care for them. Uh, but uh, that is very important that I get them connected to uh, the church, get them serving, get them, uh, let them know that, that again, uh, this, this is, beginning is good and it's important, but the, this is, the Christian life is, is like a race. It's compared like a race in, in, the, in the Bible. And uh, I, I was sharing this with my elderly mom this morning. Jesus Christ, this is, this is what the whole gospel is about. Jesus Christ came to earth to prepare us for a place, a place called heaven. Mm-hmm. And when he left, if you remember, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. So he came to earth to prepare us for a place. And then he left this earth to prepare a place for us. And, and that's what the whole Christian life is about. He came to reconcile us, to forgive us and reconcile us to God. But he also went to prepare a place for us. So we are pilgrims. We are strangers. We're passing through. We're on our way to heaven. And uh, this whole life is a process of growing in the Lord and uh, and God preparing us. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good of those that love the Lord. Paul was using that scripture in the context of uh, us becoming more like Christ and how God uses everything in our life to accomplish that uh, purpose. So that's the whole uh, the whole Christian life, becoming more like God. And then, of course, becoming uh, instruments of God to reach out to others. Someone said the only thing better than going to heaven is taking somebody with you. <laughs> I agree with that 100%. That is so true. Pastor Pete, how do you find the needs of your church family? Uh, do you mean like spiritual needs? Yes. The- how do you find the spiritual needs of your church family? Well, as a pastor, and again, this is easier in a small church. I imagine larger churches, they have what they call small groups, all for the same purpose. You will not know that if you do not spend time with people. Mm-hmm. If you do not get to know the people personally, uh, that's how you will know uh, what their needs are. You see how they how they relate uh, uh, to life, how they respond to life. Uh, you see their attitudes. Uh, you see their fears, their hopes, their dreams, their doubts. Uh, and that's how you start to learn about their spiritual needs as you get to know them more. And more you hear their conversations, you hear their doubts, you hear them, you see them when they fall and their desire to get up. And uh, it's, it's got to be a close, a close relationship with the people. How are you going to get to know how they're doing spiritually? So once you know their needs spiritually, um, from there, do you develop a Bible study class or a, a class that will address those needs biblically? Uh, well, I tell you what we do, a midweek Bible study, and uh, and I got nothing against curriculum. We use curriculum for our kids and for our youth, but I teach the adult class, and uh, instead of using curriculum, uh, I observe the people. I observe the people carefully. I get to know my, my people, and I try to develop my own curriculum according to the needs of the people. Because sometimes we can get so stuck in curriculum that we're answering questions that nobody's asking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we did a great job answering a question, but nobody was asking that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have we accomplished anything? I, I don't think so. We need to develop our teaching and curriculum according to the needs of our congregation. And every congregation is going to be a little different. So pastors have to know their people. And, uh, and, uh, and, if, and if they're going to meet those needs, they're going to have to address that uh, with them. And again, continue that personal contact with them and praying with them and encouraging them and sharing the word of God with them. All those things are all very important uh, as we get uh, people moving along in their Christian walk. 
This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach, and I am speaking with Pastor Pete Cordova from First Assembly of God in Douglas, uh, from Douglas, Arizona. We are talking about how to live out a real and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Pete, what is the difference between surviving as a Christian versus thriving as a Christian? Uh, that is a very, uh, very good question. Uh, I think that uh, when I think of the word surviving, I think of going through a dangerous situation, a crisis. I even think of, of something that's potentially dang- uh, risky to the point of death. And, mm-hmm. and then coming out on the other side and saying, Whoo, I survived that. And uh, when we are just surviving as a Christian, it gives me the idea that not only are we not moving forward, we're just on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're being attacked and we're being uh, either by life or the devil or our own doubts and fears, and we're just hanging on for dear life. Uh, for some uh, people, uh, they almost feel like they're going to go under uh, for the last time, and they're not they're they're not really moving forward. We serve we serve a God that is a forgiving God, a God of a second chance when we make mistakes. And I tell people, you're not going to get any condemnation from me. I'm not into condemning people because I think that people when they when they're weak, when they're struggling, uh, they already have enough self condemnation and uh, enough uh, discouragement. That, that some of them may even be at the point of quitting. My part is to come alongside of them and try to show them, hey, listen, don't stay in that mode. Yes, God will forgive you. Yes, God will give you a second chance. But you don't want to live there because you can't grow. You can't do anything for God. You will just spend the rest of your life trying to keep your head above the water. Uh, it's time to move forward. God has given us resources. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us a body of believers. And and Marina, we're so blessed. There's Christian radio. There's books. uh, There's uh, many parachurch organizations, videos, tapes. There are so many resources, not to mention the power of the Holy Ghost, all at our fingertips, all there for us. Uh, to utilize, to not only survive, but thrive, and to quit being on the defensive and be, and get on the offensive. Uh, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means that, to me, I have this picture of an offense and uh, and, and gates being in the way, but the church is coming through and the gates of hell cannot prevail. We just bust them open and we start winning people for Jesus, taking them away from the kingdom of darkness. And that's where God wants us to be. Uh, he's given us everything that we need, but sometimes uh, uh, we just have not availed ourselves of them. Maybe because we don't know how, maybe because we don't believe we can. Uh, sometimes maybe because we just haven't tried. Mm -hmm. or maybe we just need somebody to kind of meet us where we're at and say, take us by the hand and say, you can do this. I will help you every step of the process. Amen. So if we know surviving is being on the defense, thriving is being on the offense? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Not only are we uh, getting stronger, but now we're using that strength for the honor and the glory of God. The, the Christian life, uh, all the things that we're blessed with, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, the family of God, uh, going to church, learning, uh, uh, all that is for a purpose. And it's not just to take it all in. Uh, it's to become not a reservoir, but a channel. That, mm-hmm. that we take it all in and then we channel it all out. All around us, there are people that need Jesus. And I, I know that for many people, that's a terrifying thing because they say, Pastor, I can't 
I can't witness, I can't knock on doors, I get terrified and I don't know what to do. And they have this, this big view of, they have to do a lot for God and they have to do things that they're scared of to do for God. And I always tell people, why don't you start with the things you are comfortable? Can you support missions? Can you give to Christian radio? Did you know that just by giving, uh, you are helping the work of God move on? That you know that you you're, you may not be able to go to certain places, but you're making it possible. Start where you're at. Start small. Start with the people that that you develop friendships with, and then little by little you begin to insert faith conversations. the The problem is when we feel that because what we can do is so little, we don't think it's worth doing, so we don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's where the devil stops us in our tracks. So you got to start small. You gotta. You might have to crawl before you walk, and you might have to walk before you run. But the important thing is forward motion. Don't stay frozen where you're at. Yes, taking that first step. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And the importance of serving at the church, even if you're just the usher, welcoming people, right? There is so... Anything. Yes. There, I tell people there's no unemployment in, in the church. <laughs> there is always something right. to do if you want to do it. And, and always, I tell people, look at it this way. Uh, number one, you're not just, don't just do it for the church. Mm-hmm. Do it for God. No matter how simple it is, mm-hmm. do it for God, number one, because you love God and because you love the work of God. And then as you work for God with all your heart, you begin to develop uh, and you begin to grow. Uh, you you may start in, in one area and God, as, as you're faithful in the few things, he begins to move you into greater things. But like you said earlier, you got to start somewhere. And, uh, and you've got to see that God uh, always, in fact, I'll say this, uh, Marina, and I was talking with my wife earlier about this, that almost every man in the Bible, uh, beginning with Moses, that God used, uh, that, that when God called them, that they always uh, put themselves down. Moses told God, I can't talk. I stutter. And he made excuse after excuse. It got so bad. Moses, the greatest figure in Old Testament, got so bad at telling God all the things he couldn't do that he actually at one point told God, find someone else. Can you imagine that? It's almost like he was telling God, you picked the wrong person, Lord. Look at all the things I can't do. Now, after I told you all my list of deficiencies, you might as well go looking somewhere else. Well, it didn't impress God one bit. He got angry. He said, I've called you. And if I've called you, I don't make mistakes. (laughs) <laughs> that You're is going to do true. what I told you because I am with you and I'm working through you. And well, like Paul Harvey says, we know the rest of the story with Moses, how powerfully God used him. But when he started, he, he was very, very fearful. Uh, Jeremiah said the same thing. He said, uh, I'm just a child. He goes, I can't speak. A lot of Bible characters were fearful and they had a lot of self-doubt when God called them. So what does that say for us? In fact, I kind of tell people, when they tell me all the things they can't do, I tell them, you're a perfect candidate. That's exactly where God starts. People <laughs> say they can't do anything, because then when they start doing things, even they're going to be amazed and say, I couldn't do a single thing, and look at all I've done. It has to be God, because I couldn't do it. And God gets all the glory. That is such a beautiful example. That is so, so true. And even if we're fearful of doing, taking the, the first step, well, just do it anyways, you know? Do it scared, but you're doing it for God because you know that he's going to be with you. So Amen. he will not fail you. Amen. Amen. Pas- yes, Pastor Pete, um, how can you tell a Christian is growing spiritually? I keep going back to the words of Jesus when he, and I know the context is a little different, but he said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Uh, I believe that when you are saved, 
you will be the first one to know it. Even if it's even if you can't explain it, you <laughs> will you will feel something so different within you. Uh, I've heard people testify after they've they've come forward, they've shed tears and given their life to God that they walk out and they say, "Wow." Uh, everything even looks different. I feel <laughs> so different. And so you're the first one that sees it. But then other people will see it too. They will say, wow, what happened to you? You know, so uh, there's no there's no secret Christians. Uh, it will show. It will show. You cannot hide it, the joy that's bubbling. And not only that, when, when God, the Holy Spirit, is in you, uh, you will have a conviction about certain things that you participated in before. You can't participate in, in now because the Holy Spirit that is inside you convicts you. That's not pleasing to God. That's against God's word. And I think, I mean, I, I really believe in my heart, you begin to see immediate changes in people. I, I have my serious doubts if someone comes and says, I'm a Christian now, and they go right back to doing everything they were doing before. And not only does that not uh, confirm confirm anything that doesn't confirm that anything happens, but uh, but it just applies the world more ammunition because we become hypocrites. We play the part of hypocrites, saying we're Christian but still continuing in our sin, and boy, that hurts the cause of Christ even more, even more. So no, there will be outward uh, a difference when we. And I'm not saying that we won't make mistakes. And that we won't get it wrong sometimes, mm -hmm. but the heart will be so different, and our desire for God will be so big that it'll be pushing us in the right direction. Pastor Pete, you mentioned before, without a spirit-filled and spirit-led life, it's just a matter of time before we run dry, wear out, and give up. What do you mean by this statement? It reminds me of the words of Luis Palau. I was hearing his testimony. He said that in his younger days of ministry, when he was a youth pastor, he was very involved in the church and he was doing so many things and working so hard and giving and giving a lot of his time until one day he found himself so exhausted and so discouraged and so tired and frustrated that he was about to resign and not only give up his position as youth pastor, he was ready to, to almost quit in his Christian walk. And he said God spoke to him and very clearly and told him, Luis, you're doing a lot, but when was the last time that you really took time to spend a good amount of time, a significant amount of time with me? You've been doing it all in your strengths, always your knowledge, always your experience. And yeah, you've been accomplishing a lot of things, but not, it hasn't been me through you. It's been you doing it with what you know. And now look where it's got you. And I think when we do that, when we start depending too much on our own knowledge, our own experience, our own abilities, that we will get burned out after a while. If we are not infilled with the Holy Spirit uh, daily, uh, we will not have the power that we need. It will not be God doing it through us, which is what God wants to do. It'll be us doing it through our own strength. And that will only go so far. That will only go so far. The, the disciples, uh, uh, when, after Jesus ascended, he told them to tarry into Jerusalem till they were endued with power. And, uh, and, 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 and they waited in Jerusalem, and they were filled with the, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost, baptizing the Holy Spirit, and they were never the same again. They turned the world upside down for Jesus. They had the power of the Holy Ghost, and it took what they knew about Christ and it just amplified it like a, like a sound system, like a, a, a microphone into a lost world. The difference was the power of the Holy Ghost. And without the power of the Holy Ghost, it's just a matter of time before we run dry. 
Uh, I have to get alone, Marina. Many times I take my prayer walks. Uh, I try to have my time. And I know it when I've been so busy that I haven't done it that I'm starting to feel dry and tired. But when I get alone and uh, God starts to touch me and I spend that, you know, that deep intimate time when you just weep and groan before mm-hmm. the Lord and all of a sudden, you know, he's talking to you because he's bringing scripture to your mind. And he's speaking to you very closely. And you spend that time with God. Then you come back. Wow. You come back fired up and ready to preach to the, to the whole world. <laughs> what a difference. What a difference doing things in Absolutely. God's power rather than in our own power. That is so true. Do you believe that many pastors are... Um, experiencing experiencing this today that they're running dry they're wearing out because they haven't been um let's say they haven't been filled with the they haven't followed a spirit-led life the bible uh says in isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 that those that wait on the lord shall renew their strengths and and again i go to psalm 46 10 be still and know that i am the lord we have to have those moments of being still and waiting upon the lord i i don't i understand pastors i i thought i understood pastors because my dad was a pastor my brother was a pastor but i didn't fully <laughs> understand until i became a pastor the demands that are placed on pastors the expectations mm-hmm the things we have to do. And I know that it is so easy to get wrapped up in the busyness of being a pastor that uh, that it's easy to neglect our personal time with God and waiting with God. But we will feel it, Marina. We will feel it when we're running, uh, when we're running empty and we're running dry. And boy, I tell you, I've been there and it's not a good feeling. Uh, that's when you really feel almost like resigning and giving up. You feel, I'm not effective anymore. I don't even know if I'm making a difference. And God, I, I've had my moments that God reminds me of, of the biblical characters that did it. And he almost tells me, are you trying to copy Moses and Jeremiah and some of the other ones when you start telling me all the things you can't do? Uh, that's why I picked you. Uh, because... The more you realize you can't do, the more you'll run to me to ask me to help you. It's when we get overconfident in our ability. And what does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12? Let him that thinketh he standeth firm take heed lest he fall. So it's when we think we're the strongest that we're in the most danger. What are some major obstacles pastors are facing today and how can they overcome them? Uh, well, I, I think that, again, one of the, the discouragements uh, of pastors is, is when, we, uh, when, we, when we preach our hearts out, when we uh, minister to people, and, and, and yet sometimes we, we don't see the growth that, that we'd like to see. I'm reminded, I was reading, uh, I'm in the book of Hebrews, and uh, slowly reading through that whole book, but uh, uh, chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 12, uh, I read something that stuck with me, and the writer seemed like he was frustrated. I think he must have been a pastor. He wrote <laughs> on, on verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk instead of solid food. He's like, man, I've been, I've been giving you the bottle for a long time, the baby bottle, and I'm still giving it to you. You haven't grown. What's going on here? And I think that that's one of the challenges that pastors face sometimes uh, of a of, of feeling uh, how long will it take before I have uh, more leaders that, uh, uh, that can multiply themselves in different ministries in the church and in the city so that we can be more effective and reach more people uh, for God? So how can they overcome just being so consumed with that? 
Uh, I think once again that we have to come back to the Lord. We have to uh, talk to him. And then we also have to do some honest evaluation of what we're doing, uh, what is working and what is not. What do we have to, what, what could we adjust or change a little bit uh, to meet the needs of the people that we're ministering uh, to? Uh, I think that uh, sometimes, you know, we, we also can be guilty, like I said earlier, that sometimes people feel I can't do very much, so they don't do anything. That sometimes we as pastors sometimes look at people and think, no, they're not ready. They need more time. And uh, and then later on, well, they're still not ready. I, I, I would say to my pastor friends, if you do that, you'll never get them involved. If they're not ready for something that requires a higher level of maturity, find something that is easier and put them to work. They gotta start somewhere. Hallelujah! They gotta start somewhere. You gotta uh, get them a starting place. Get their confidence built up, and work with them there uh, to develop them in in, in the Lord. And uh, and then another obstacle the pastors face is pastors also have their own problems, their own family, their finances, their own. Uh, self doubts about themselves. So we've got the church problems, and we got our problems. Uh, it's it's a balancing act sometimes. But once again, Marina, once again, if we don't run to God, if we don't run to God, uh, we're not going to make it because that's where our power and our strength comes from. David was able to face the giant not just because he was a. Mm-hmm daredevil little kid, but because he had an intimate relationship mm-hmm. with God in the backside of the desert. And he came back and he knew his God. That's why he told Goliath, he said, he said this of Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How dare him challenge the God of Israel? And uh, that's what happens when you've been alone with God in the desert and you've been having an intimate relationship, you come back ready to face any giant. Amen. And Pastor P, you probably would agree with this, that we have to remember that uh, the ministries that the Lord has given to us is His, not ours. Absolutely. Absolutely, Marina. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said that much better. And I think that that's why when we start questioning how effective we are it's usually because we're comparing ourselves with somebody not all the time i mean there there's a difference between honest evaluation where we can make adjustments but then there's that wrong kind of of evaluation where we where we feel like failures and losers and then we start saying god i don't even know why you picked me we almost start looking at god like god are you sure i was the right man or did you pointed the wrong one, and I jumped in. Maybe it was the other guy next to me you were pointing at, not me. And uh, God doesn't make mistakes. If if he put you where you are at, there's a reason why he has you there. And uh, if if he put you there, he's, he's going to work through you, and he's going to accomplish. And until he accomplishes that work and he tells you, I'm done, you can move on, you and I and every minister, wherever God places us, and we just keep working and being faithful where God has us. Amen. Pastor Pete, what are some words of hope and encouragement you can give to pastors today? I feel that we are in the most important in the most important profession that there is, and I am a little biased, but uh, during this Corona virus crisis that we're in, uh, I hear a lot of talk about the frontline heroes, the the uh, people that are in uh, in medical field, uh, the ones that uh, are caring for the sick, that uh, putting their lives in danger by ministering to them, spending countless hours, and and they should be rightfully. Uh, it's it's right that they be recognized. It's right that they be thanked because they're ministering to to the physical needs of people. But there's another group of, of, uh, 
of professionals out there. And I, I use the word professionals because that's their calling and their ministry. And it's pastors. They're out there in the front lines too. But they may not be ministering to the physical needs of the people, but they're ministering to the spiritual needs of the people. And I think they should also be recognized and thanked because uh, they have their own doubts. They have their own fears, their own limitations. And yet they're out there in the front field trying to encourage people, trying to give, mm -hmm. to, uh, give hope to people and trying to uh, help people not, not be fearful uh, when they have their they have their own challenges as well, and then they have to make decisions that sometimes people will agree with or not, uh, and and it's it it's tough also for them, and they need prayer. They need prayer. They need our mm -hmm. thanks. They need our recognition. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to them is my salute to you, pastors. Uh, I I tip my hat off to you. You are a very important. Uh, a part of what we need for our people now. You're the hope givers. You're the encouragers. You're the ones imparting uh, 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 words of wisdom to people, keeping their eyes on God and moving them forward. God bless you and thank you. You are important. Uh, so don't 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 throw in the towel. Don't give up and don't feel that you're not doing anything. You're doing something very important. Amen. I can't agree with you enough. I agree with you, Pastor Pete. Amen, amen. <laughs> and thank you so much for sharing your biblical wisdom about living out a real and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. I thank you so much for this. And um, I just uh, would like for you to end in prayer for whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for right now. Amen. Thank you, Marina. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. And God, we recognize you as the God of the universe, that no matter what season of life we're in, and Lord, do we ever find ourselves in a unique situation like never before in our world. And God, uh, uh, it has frightened some people, filled them with fear. God, I feel that even the church has been traumatized by so many uh, a bad news and uncertainty and fear as to when will the churches open and when they open, how will they operate? A lot of questions and a lot of challenges for pastors, God. And I just pray right now for wisdom and for courage for our spiritual leaders, God, for those that are not only pastoring, but those that are on radio, God, those that uh, are ministering in different ways, God, that you would use them powerfully for your honor and your glory. And God, how we need the word of God during these times, how we need someone to point us to God, and how we also need wisdom to God, look at ourselves and look at our world and, and uh, know what you're trying to tell us and what you're trying to teach us and learn it, God, so that we can come out of this wiser and stronger and better. And God, the pastors and the, the spiritual leaders are on the front lines, God. Uh, oh, and I pray that you would help them, Lord, during this time, protect them as well, God, and their families. And Lord, we just thank you because we know that you will bring us out of this. Bless my fellow pastor. Bless Marina and this ministry that she has, God. Uh, may it reach many people with the, the message of hope, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Faith City Outreach can be heard daily, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Arizona time and 7 p.m. Eastern time. Faith City Outreach thanks Global Women Christian Chamber of Commerce Embassy and Four Winds Ministries for being supporters. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. 
You have been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The music used in this broadcast is used courtesy of zapswat.com.